then there's no point having a benchmarking model if we refresh it every year. You know, very typically we have organizations that come in, uh, I guess, as fixer-uppers. Um, they know that um, they're not performing well in an area. Um, this is a this is something that they're going to look at. They, they've resolved to be able to improve um, and that they know they're doing poorly. But what they need to know is how poorly. Um, and that's how they, 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 they come in. Um, and they're interested in, in understanding how far behind they are with an express intention of them coupling this benchmarking activity with you know, a, 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 a refreshed strategic direction followed by action. My longtime colleague Chris Tubbs stopped by the Digital Workplace Impact Podcast Studio today to chat about all things DWG benchmarking. Chris is not only one of DWG's lead strategy consultants and published authors, he is also a DWG benchmarking architect and lead evaluator. In our 20 plus year history as a company, DWG's done over 700 benchmarks spanning intranet and digital workplace. At a time when digital workplace teams are looking to sharpen their business cases for investment, provide proof of value for investments, or conduct health checks to set next stage ambitions, DWG benchmarking is a way to get an independent evaluation of how your digital workplace in whole or in part is performing, as well as to get a crisp set of recommendations to help you take things forward. This is Nancy Goebel, your host for Digital Workplace Impact, which is brought to you, as always, by the Digital Workplace Group. Join me now in conversation with Chris Tubb. Happy listening. Chris, I am just delighted to have a chance to catch up with you to talk about all things DWG benchmarking in the Digital Workplace Impact podcast studio today. Welcome, welcome. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you, Nancy. Chris, we've been working together for so many years. Um, gosh, we must have done over 100 benchmarking report backs together over the years. And very often we get questions from members and from practitioners in our wider circles about the magic behind DWG benchmarking. And so I just thought it might be really timely for us to come together and have a chat about just that topic. Yep. Uh, benchmarking is a great process. I, I've been doing it for so long now that I stopped counting a long time ago. Uh, so, uh, but I, <laughs> and I was, I was thinking about this because I was previously benchmarked when I was back in practice. This was in the decade before the last one I was, uh, uh, running uh, the the intranet at the Orange Group, which was part of the France Telecom Group, uh, and we got benchmarked in design and usability, and I think that was two thousand and five. So this was this was shortly after you know the, the IBF, as it was the Intranet Benchmarking Forum, uh, which was I guess the the beginning of DWG, um, but uh, that wasn't wasn't long after. Uh, Paul Miller started uh, that whole business. So uh, it's it, and it's the 20th anniversary this year. So these things come around, don't they? It's hard to believe that DWG has been 
working the benchmarking channels for 20 plus years, as you say. And in that time, we've done in excess of 700 benchmarking evaluations, which is quite a lot. And so maybe we need to start with a little bit of a level set for those who may be newer to the concept, because I do hear people use benchmarking in lots of different ways. And we've got a very specific view of what DWG benchmarking is and what sets it apart. So maybe we can start there, Chris. Sure, absolutely. Um, So, I mean, benchmarking is a way of of just comparing. Uh, And uh, I guess the the way that we do that within DWG uh, is that we come up with some models. Now, we don't come up with those, you know, without a great deal of development. We're thinking about what a model of best practice would be for a particular management practice or or, uh, uh, something that relates to intranet or digital workplace uh, management in particular. So we've got a model. We come up with, we try and understand what's going on within an organization and compare people to that model. So that's nice. But the important part is then we're comparing each of the performances of those organizations with other organizations that have also been benchmarked. So this allows us to compare not only how well we feel these organizations are doing against our uh, idea of what best practice would be, but against each other in reality. And I think that's where the the kind of the, 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 the power comes from. Mm. And do you happen to know the origin story behind DWG's benchmarking? You you talked about being an early adopter during your time as an intranet manager once upon a time. I know I know that it was it was mostly based around um, design and usability at that time. Uh, You know, uh, we were crafting intranets from scratch back then there was no none of these uh, uh intranet in a box platforms or sharepoint so uh, we were just uh, uh, doing the best we could using the tools that we have um and as you can imagine the 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 these uh, intranets were possibly not the most usable or great user experience that um, that uh, we have now and i would just add to to that to say uh, from uh, the origin stories that I've heard about the benchmarking, it started roughly with a group of half a dozen organizations that were actively managing their intranets. And unlike dot-com sites where you could actually see things in the public domain, people really wanted to understand how their intranets compared. And so DWG back then, the Internet Benchmarking Forum, developed a methodology, a model, as you called it, to be able to compare this group of organizations' respective intranets to each other, and then to facilitate conversation around the findings and then work in some recommendations. So I'd say, you know, from my point of view, that's the core story that I've heard. And I know there were naysayers early on who said that wasn't possible to do. And and here we are 700 plus benchmarks later. And can you talk a little bit about how DWG benchmarking has changed over the years? Yeah, I think it was around 2012, 
2020, at kind of the turn of the pandemic, that we decided to revise the, the intranet-focused benchmarks. In particular, the collaboration had migrated by that time into tools like Microsoft Teams. So there was a, a large swathe of the uh, management benchmarks which weren't particularly useful. So we kind of retooled that towards being able to uh, measure and understand the performance of, I think, different sort of teams and ranges of products. We provided the majority of the intranet benchmarking into a new benchmark, which is called Modern, Modern Intranet Management, that we in the team call MIM. And that allows us to look at uh, very typical management tasks for the intranet team, things like strategy, governance, findability, and search management. But we also look at qu quite stretch topics for many uh, organizations, um, things like uh, user-centric content and design, making sure that you, you're uh, using tools like content strategy or content design um, to be able to make sure that uh, content is as valuable to individuals as possible. Uh, we look at sort of task-focused information. That's something that very often gets ignored, particularly in very communication-centric organizations. Can people find policies? Can people find locations? So this was something that we very were very much focusing on. The internet manager, wherever they happen to sit within the organization, it was something that that team could understand its performance and its management practices. The second one that we came up with uh, was very much more focused at digital communicators. It was clear that whilst communications on the internet was an important channel, that despite us attempting for 15 years to get rid of email, that hasn't really happened. Email retain was always retained as a important channel for, for communicators. People still like the immediacy. So we created a, a benchmark very much focused on the range of digital channels that communicators use, as well as a variety of other management uh, and uh, prioritization tasks that uh, communicators need to do, focusing on things like, have you got good central local balance between the core uh, or group communicators and all of the local or divisional communicators. We also brought in things like um, real-time and multimedia channels, very much the, the flavor of that moment where everybody was suddenly having to do their town halls on a, on a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting, as well as looking at uh, other uh, broader channels, uh, things like digital signage. Um, so that was, I think that's, that's gone down very well, uh, very much focused on um, what digital communicators need and um, so that they can really understand um, how they perform again against other, other organizations. We've got two other benchmarks that are also focused on, if you like, more sort of digital workplace topics. One is digital workplace management. That's focusing on what you need to do uh, to manage this wider digital estate in a in a in a coherent way. Um, so we'll look at strategy. We we'll look at sort of product management. Uh, we look at how employee services are, are organised. We look at obviously things like um, measurement and adoption change in digital literacy. So those sorts of management topics, things are not directly, you know, intranet based, but all of these other sorts of tools that digital workplace teams deal with, those are those are dealt with by by that digital workplace management benchmark. 
And then finally, we, we specifically look at digital collaboration tools. You know, this has been such a, uh, a pivotal topic in the last uh, couple of years. And there's a whole range of collaboration tools that organizations put in. Um, you know, very often these are uh, the default that people have, um, the kind of the, the Microsoft Teams, as well as the uh, all of the different sort of project and team collaboration that people have. But there's a bunch of other things that need to go in to mean that people can collaborate uh, well. You know, can you can, can you collaborate with people externally? Can you find good people profiles so that you can uh, understand who the experts are within the business? Um, are you doing sharing innovation, getting, uh, setting clear expectations about what you should and should not share, uh, as well as other, you know, more emergent topics, things like people collaborating, uh, creating their own collaboration environments and, um, and, uh, uh, facilitating people to use and create their own tools. So I think those are four really sort of solid benchmarks. The, the uh, digital collaboration tools and the digital communications channels benchmarks very much sort of focus on the what. It's a sort of a product focus. The modern internet management and the digital workplace management benchmarks tend to focus much more on the discipline, the skills that teams need, very much more the how. Uh, and above all of these, we still have this digital workplace maturity benchmark, which is which is getting on. Uh, but I think it's going to be uh, revised uh, in the near future and we'll, we'll kind of understand what do we need to understand about the digital workplace over the next 10 years so that you can compare your practice against other organisations and then uh, really understand uh, uh, where you need to apply your efforts and you can start those conversations about these uh, repeated digital transformations that organizations will have to do again and again. For sure. And, you know, I think one of the important parts about this overall program that you've described is that there is a discipline around refreshing these benchmarks as the industry is evolving in the first generation, moving from the four-pronged intranet model that you described to then bringing in the digital workplace maturity benchmark uh, to now having these four uh, deeper dives that look at intranet collaboration, communication, and the discipline behind managing the digital workplace. And and then, of course, uh, coming back in the not so distant future to evolve the next generation digital workplace maturity benchmark. It's it's critically important to recognize that our industry is not a static one. And so the models are robust, um, but we do need to refresh them from time to time to make sure that we can continue to provide an ambition and relevancy around these evaluations. And we, we we specifically design them so that they will endure. There's no point having a benchmarking model if we refresh it every year. You know, very typically we have organizations that come in, I guess, as fixer-uppers. Um, they know that um, they're not performing well in an area. Um, this is a this is something that they're going to look at. They, they resolved to be able to improve um, and that they know they're doing poorly. But what they need to know is how poorly. Um, and that's how they 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 come in, um, and they're interested in in understanding how far behind they are, with an express intention of them coupling this benchmarking activity with 
you know, a, a, a refreshed strategic direction followed by action. They're going to renew their intranet or they're going to renew their, their uh, communications channels or they're going to renew aspects of their digital workplace. Um, and at that point, they will then say, great, we're going to do a before and after. We're going to understand how far we've come, uh, how we have improved, whether we have improved. Um, very often we find um, some organizations go away and have to do with some deal with something um, uh, which might be quite tactical, doesn't have a great deal of end uh, user impact. Maybe they've moved from on-premises to, to the cloud. And actually that, that's taken all of their attention uh, and they haven't been focusing on End user, end user needs. And uh, we can say, well, actually, you haven't made much progress uh, on when we benchmarked you a couple of years ago. You still need to attend to, 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 to these various matters. So when we're designing these, they do need to endure. They do need to be long lasting. I mean, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost worried now, uh, Nancy, that if we look at uh, what we will do next, just because things like uh, uh, the generative AI is so much in our attention right now uh, that we'll, you know, it, the danger is that you'll kind of overreact and you'll put this kind of flavor of the month in uh, into these benchmarking models. Um, and uh, that, that will be, you know, it will age very badly. Whereas, you know, we were still benchmarking the, the digital workplace maturity benchmark. We were still able to benchmark people's collaboration using this maturity model that we have after Microsoft Teams came in, after Slack came in, even though those things hadn't been designed into the benchmark itself because we were focusing on what people needed to do to collaborate uh, either in terms of meetings or in terms of, of working together on documents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's, it's very important to, you know, make sure that these are uh, long lasting and, and not necessarily fashionable. Yes, absolutely. I think that's part of what makes our overall approach stand out because technology will evolve, but fundamentally people need to be able to find things. They need to be able to connect with colleagues and so on down the line. So we're really looking at the essence of those needs and practices and comparing those things and, and less so uh, about the, the tool of the moment that's supporting that capability. And so through this conversation, Chris, we've explored a little bit about what prompts our members to get benchmarks. So you talked a little bit about the fixer uppers who are looking to either generate a business case for change or to support the active redesign process and conducting a before and after snapshot. Are there any other reasons why DWG members get benchmarked that you can think of off the top of your head? I, I think one of the key ones, and, and particularly, you know, both on the digital workplace side and on the intranet side, these things mean different things to different people. And very often organizations want to take an approach which will lead them through some change, but people are not necessarily aware of what that change should be or perhaps they disagree on what that change should be. Uh, and because it's designed to be such a kind of an objective process, you know, and we haven't mentioned, but we always have, we always have two evaluators to go through this. So not only are you having an external set of experts come in to look at what you do, they're comparing you against a set model. They're comparing you against your peers. 
but also that there's two of them you know involved in this process moderating each each what each uh, is 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 uh, is adjudicating upon or evaluating um but then you can be really really clear that whatever internal politics that you have and the dis- different discussions and directions that you might want to take your internet or digital workplace in is that you've got nice objective neutral data to start that conversation with um, and possibly sometimes restart that conversation and uh, making sure that these things are as as as, uh, as objective as possible so that everybody can just take five start again and go right what's the best thing for us to do and one of the things that we always do because we, when we're speaking to people we typically speak to five or six stakeholders within an organization it's not a user focused uh, piece of research what we're talking to people about is their capabilities you know what are the management practices that they have within this organization and we'll come back with lots and lots of quotes about who, about the the various practices and uh, opinions that people have that we've spoken to and with about five or six people involved you get a, a certain idea of the sort of level of, 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 of anonymity, but we anonymize things as much as we can. Um, and we, so we take out any specific names, we take out any specific, you know, department names. We want people to concentrate on the substance of what was said. We don't want them to try and say, well, was that Bob? Uh, you know, uh, was that Jane? Uh, we want people to be able to uh, take our, again, neutral expert view take the their position and the reality of where they are and take that forward on into their uh, internal discussions uh, and uh, I, I think that's you know very often when there's been a lot of discussion when we report this back you know that that's going to be a uh, you, you've made a useful um, you provided a useful input uh, so that that will you know, take on these these decisions as they they go forward. Mm. And I think that point around the independent evaluation is an important one because uh, we we do know human nature being what it is that sometimes this space is politically charged and it's either the louder louder voices or the more well-funded groups that can drive the agenda. But ultimately, we want to take a broader view as an industry around what good looks like and how we measure against that um, in order to improve the performance of the digital workplace as a whole uh, within uh, you know, any given organization. And the other thing that I would add to the, the list of reasons members get benchmarked is that there have been a cadre of organizations that have used it year on year to set their next stage ambition. And so that's part of why having these um, enduring models that you talked about that have headroom for growth uh, is important as well. And, uh, you know, that can be used to set budget as well as uh, to set strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, And because they are these models of best practice as well. Well, good practice, you know, best practice is, is often contentious. Let's say good practice. It's, it forces practitioners within organizations 
to talk about a whole range of things which they wouldn't normally discuss. Each of these models has sort of eight areas that we look at. And we're looking for 30, 32 things that we're going to score. So we're asking about specific capabilities and practices. And if an organization doesn't do them, it's it's odd that you would perhaps come up with uh, with a uh, um, uh, a discussion that would allow you to say, well, why do we not, for example, um, you know, use content design practices when we're coming up with content on our internet? So it's a process which allows teams to really explore uh, different skills and capabilities that they perhaps haven't considered or perhaps haven't heard of. And I think it's a very useful tool to be able to, you know, bring a team together um, and discuss how you work. Because it's only through, you know, working together that you're going to make any of this, um, you're going to make any of this more effective. Uh, it's it's not going to get better by accident. Uh, you know, it's not going to get better by ignoring it. Um, you need to use all of these different practices. Um, and um, skills and techniques and everything else and do it really, really well as a concerted effort to, uh, to really, you know, perform to the, 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 the uh, um, to reach the potential that, that uh, as an organization, you uh, hope you can meet. So we've talked a little bit about, or a lot about <laughs> why members get benchmarked. Can you give us a slice of what the process looks like? You mentioned that it's interview-based and um, there's um, typically a set of eight different framing points within each of the models uh, with criteria nested within those. Uh, anything else that we need to know about the process overall? Exactly. I mean, it's what, what, what I would say is that it's not enormously time consuming when it comes to the organization. Um, it, it, it tip, because we're looking at capabilities, we're not doing 25 user interviews and, a, uh, you know, a survey needing 1500 people. Um, it's not that onerous. Uh, we do a, a, a sort of a two hour teams call where we, for example, look at the intranet. Uh, get a good understanding of the, the business context, get a good understanding of the, the team that's looking after it and what the intranet looks like and what everything is called. And then we run people through. So we'll, we'll, we'll typically speak to what we call a hub uh, who's giving us this tour. We'll take them through. We, we don't read out these you know boring questions we we try we try and interpret the, them so that we have a nice free-flowing conversation and then we take down we try and take down verbatim notes about what people are saying um so we'll use that typically for example that internet manager or the internet product owner in the case of the modern internet management benchmark we'll have this two-hour call and then we'll organize five or six additional interviews with relevant stakeholders. So for example, for the modern internet management benchmark, we might want to speak to the head of internal communications. We might want to speak to someone in IT. We want to, might want to speak to a couple of key publishers uh, and somebody who's looking after the, 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 the content manager, something like that. And what we're trying to do for each of these 32 little areas that we're going to evaluate everybody on is we're trying to gather not only some evidence about what the practice is for each one of these areas, but also opinions around it. You know, do people think that it's 
it's what what is being done is comprehensive do they think that there are gaps do they are they disappointed in the way that you know maybe these things are are, are done or adopted so that's it in terms of the the um, involvement we get a lot through those you know two-hour screen share session and five one-hour interviews and that's enough for us to go through and basically assign a score to each one of these 32 areas those are four areas are put into four areas and eight wider metrics and these are the areas that we can compare directly um we go away we have a look at all of that data the the two evaluators look at all of the data they score it individually and then bring that together in a scoring meeting and agree scores and that's where i guess the the clever bit happens because as we've got the scores of against the model so it's a percentage about how well you've done in each of these areas you know how many how many points out of a possible eight that you can you can score but then we can just using a simple mathematical calculation is that we're effectively then normalizing those scores and comparing how each organization has done against all of the other organizations and that allows us to go well you as an organization are, are above average or below average and that then gives a good way of understanding where you might want to place your efforts we'll then write up a report there's a big long report which we assume nobody reads and then we do a, a powerpoint uh, summary which we then uh, present back in again a two-hour session and we make recommendations in the spirit of the model. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not a hard sell. It's not like consulting in the slightest. It's very much more, we believe, you know, you're self-sufficient as a team. This is what we would do to improve your performance against this model. And then, you know, we ride off into the sunset. So it, it's, it's not an onerous amount of work for the, uh, our contact within uh, a member we do you know virtually all of the running and the overall it typically takes uh, around kind of six weeks from from beginning to end the most difficult thing for the uh, member hub is to be able to get hold of you know four or five colleagues uh, who will speak to us and uh, are going to expect us um, and making sure that those are the, the right people but uh, yes it's not a it's a, a very useful output uh, at the end of uh, at the end of that process i like to say that it's a very targeted intervention where the heavy lifting sits with dwg uh, to frame the evidence gathering process and on the other side uh, not only is there a clear view of the findings but i think what's important is that we detail very specific recommendations and for the members who are participating in that process, we actually tie those recommendations back to resources in our knowledge base to help jumpstart their next steps. And I think that's part of what makes our approach a unique one. And so, Chris, is this process one that's designed to be repeatable? Yeah, most certainly. Um, you know, we've talked about how these are uh, these are designed to be long term. Um, we can effectively repeat each uh, of the benchmarks at a later date. We have exactly the same questions to ask. 
sometimes we even speak to exactly the same people. Um, that happened earlier in this year. Uh, so uh, most uh, most uh, most definitely that was able to be a comparable piece of data. So we can then understand at each of these individual levels when, whether things have gone got better or worse. Hopefully they've all got a lot better and you see scores go up. Sometimes I'm afraid scores go down. Um, attention goes elsewhere. Um, maybe somebody who's really good leaves. Maybe a management practice like whether you have a whether you have a steering group meeting falls into disrepair, or uh, somebody has had a bad experience and that they uh, they they, they uh, give a a very strong piece of opinion which um, sways some of the scores. So sometimes they do go down. And again, both of those, whether things have gone up or whether things have gone down, both of those are useful inputs to be able to understand you know what you're going to do next time very often organizations even though they are very high performing because they've done it again and again they they're still begging to be told what the bad news is and uh, it's very often that a that a that an organization that uh, has uh, been above average across the board for this and maybe has got a an overall performance you know a couple of standard deviations above the mean but they still want to know, well, in which areas can we perform better? Uh, and I think it's those, those teams with a real growth mindset that are, you know, really get the, the best out of this. Um, very often we have organizations which are, you know, that's their style. They actively go and look uh, in all aspects of their business for external benchmarking because, you know, that's the way that they um, – that's the way that they approach things. Yeah, I, I know that certainly uh, we've told lots of stories over the years with permission from specific members about those transformation journeys that you've described. I can remember once upon a time, we did a series of evaluations with uh, Nationwide and they went from the bottom quartile of our league table to the top quartile over the space of three years. Why? Because they took the the findings and the recommendations very seriously and did the hard work of putting the recommendations in place that came through the process and, and were able to show demonstrable progress to their leadership uh, as part of this. And so... We, we certainly know coming out of the pandemic that the digital workplace is an essential part of every organization. It is the digital headquarters of every organization. And as such, it's an asset that needs to be managed and evaluated and nurtured along with every other asset in an organization. And so I'm going to take us in a slightly different direction, Chris. DWG is known for its benchmarking. It is equally known for the Digital Workplace of the Year Awards. And can you sort of share a thumbnail on how you think they differ? I think they differ greatly. I, I mean, I, and I, I do love, I do love all of the awards, not just the, the the Digital Workplace of the Year Awards. And they're always fantastic to see the good work that people have done. You see the beautiful screenshot of a beautifully designed intranet and, you know, it's, 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 it's always wonderful to, to see. It's very, there's a way more behind a great intranet than the screenshot you see in an award. There's a variety of practices that people need to put in day in, day out, week in, week out, 
to really refine what they do and to keep these things sustainable. So, you know, after uh, a year, after two years, after three years after launch, is it still as good as when it won that award? So I, I think that they are, they're entirely different things. We see, you know, great intranets, which perhaps aren't managed very well. We also see, you know, perhaps underinvested intranets that are managed brilliantly and they still, you know, tick all the boxes um, and, you know, continue to deliver for their business, even though, you know, that business might be in a moment of austerity. So I think that they're very, very different. Uh, and, you know, the the management of these things uh, need to be applied. It's not just a, a snapshot in time. Um, it's something that needs to be, I don't know whether you could have a, a category, Nancy, for uh, the best best maintained intranet. It might not might not look so great on the slide, I'm thinking. <laughs> I guess um, just to add to that, Chris, what I would say is that both the benchmark and the awards that DWG run can be an opportunity to celebrate a moment in time, moments of accomplishment. Um, with the benchmarking itself, I see it as a holistic process that uh, allows you to hone in on not only the areas of strength, but the critical areas for improvement that will allow to continue to drive the value and the impact of the digital workplace over time. You happen to key off of the intranet, which is, of course, the front door to the digital workplace. But as you described earlier, there are uh, a wide variety of areas that we look at in exploring the digital workplace performance as a whole. And so any final thoughts or reflections or even advice you'd like to offer individuals that are thinking about the role and value of benchmarking? I think I'd encourage members to, to benchmark. Uh, it allows um, some really good direct comparisons uh, with your peers. Um, it's a great way of understanding uh, where you uh, where you need to apply your efforts. And the more people that take go through the benchmarking model, the more useful it becomes. The bigger those league tables are, the more that there's uh, someone who's in the, within the same sector as you, um, and it makes it easier to uh, to, to to justify your uh, improvements or to um, to really uh, show off your uh, your validate your efforts. Um, so I'd encourage uh, organisations to to really make good use of it. And I always say, as part of our benchmarking report backs that the league tables, as you've described them, serve a number of different purposes. Not only do they allow you to see how your organization compares to other digital workplaces in whole or in part, uh, but also they give you some important cues about uh, the organizations to connect with for deeper conversation. We've had lots of occasions over the years where organizations actually sat down side by side with another organization to talk through the results of their individual benchmarks and to learn from each other. Because ultimately, the benchmarking process is designed to help you surface new ways of approaching things that perhaps you've been struggling with on your own. And I think the, the added benefit is that 
within the membership, all of those conversations happen in a confidential setting, which allows these organizations to feel comfortable sitting side by side. Absolutely. So, Chris, um, have we missed anything? I'd mention one thing as well, Nancy. Um, You know, DWG is very good at doing this. And uh, one thing that I would say is that if anybody has an idea for a benchmark, we can develop them. And we've had uh, a few examples in the past of, of organizations who who want to be able to compare themselves to other organizations, but what we have provided doesn't quite fit the box, fit the, doesn't quite tick the box. So we have in the past actually created entire benchmarks to be able to specifically understand where an organization is in a particular uh, a particular practice. Um, and then we've even gone to the extent of comparing other organizations using that, that, that benchmark and then sort of sharing an anonymized report afterwards. So we can use them to really show off competitive, competitive advantage, um, and um, that's a, a, another use of them. That's a great addition to cap off our time together, Chris. Thank you so much for coming into the studio today. It's always a treat to be in conversation with you, whether it's uh, talking about benchmarking as we did today or uh, the research that you've published or just generally what you're thinking about moment in time. It's a pleasure, Nancy. Thanks so much. Digital Workplace Impact is brought to you by the Digital Workplace Group. DWG is a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry and boutique consulting services. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com.